Let's pray together. God, this morning we are reminded again, Lord, of our need of you, reminded afresh, Lord, of the worthiness of you for our worship and our praise. Lord, as we come to your word this morning and uh, open it, we ask that you would speak through your words, that you would minister to our hearts, that you would transform us, Lord, that we would be invited into the story of your salvation and your redemption. Jesus, we pray that you would help us to submit to this word that would have authority in our lives. Lord, that we would hear it for what it has to say. And Lord, that we would come uh, able to bear our own uh, challenges and convictions, Lord, to this place where you bring your comfort and your direction. So we ask, Lord, that you would minister to us during this time as we study this passage this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. So we've come to the end of our series on pilgrim songs, as we call them, the Psalms of Ascent, the Psalms that were sung and prayed by Israel as they left their homes and they would gather on the road and head from the country back in pilgrimage to Jerusalem, back to God, back to Zion, back to the temple to worship. And in each of these Psalms, we're reminded of crucial things essential things uh, that pilgrims need to remember as they walk through life with God. Things that we also need to pray and remember as pilgrims ourselves walking this life. And we find in these three final psalms of the Songs of Ascent uh, a call to celebration of what happens when we finally arrive and we're in the presence of God and we encounter Him in His glory. And so these psalms are all about arrival. They're sort of a celebration of the life of one who is living for God, the fruit of a life lived for God. And I think as Christians, for us, for the people of God today, there's a reminder here for us to consider of, of why we gather Sunday after Sunday to worship God. Just as these pilgrims were called to gather to come and worship, so too are we on a weekly basis called on the Lord's Day to gather. And so three things I want to point out to us this morning, one from each of these Psalms, uh, for why we're gathered this week, what happens when we encounter the presence of God when we gather. And the first thing from Psalm 132 is I think we need to be reminded each week of who God is and what he's done. We need to be reminded of who God is and what he's done. The second thing in Psalm 133 is we need to be renewed in the life of God. So we're reminded of God, we're renewed by God. And the third one from Psalm 134, I was trying to decide whether it's a call to resonate with worship. I think, I think perhaps in another way, it's a call to be resolved to follow God. And so we're reminded of some essential things, we're renewed by God, and then there's a resolve to follow God. So that's what we're gonna do this morning. So first, take a look at Psalm 132 with me. And we're just going to walk through it. Uh, it's a longer psalm, uh, but we're just going to kind of talk about how it works and then make some points about uh, the implications for us. This psalm is all about 
remembering and celebrating God's covenantal promises. And it points back in verses 1 to 5 to King David. And it starts to talk about his hardships and his desire to build God a dwelling place, to build God a temple, uh, to establish sort of a new place of worship. And this is going back into Israel's scriptures. You can read about that moment. Um, but the idea is that in light of all the effort that David put into that project, and David never really saw that completed. It was Solomon, his son, who completed that project. But in light of David's service to God, in verses 6 and 7, there's this sense that Israel is called now to respond and join in the worship, the worship of God. Look at verses 6 and 7 again. It says, Behold, we heard of it, this desire of David, this call to worship. We heard of it in Ephrathah and in Jar, sort of talking about the call to come and worship from various places. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. The idea is that the temple is in some sense the dwelling place of the deity, the dwelling place of God. Now, of course, Israel would say God is everywhere, but there's a and so would we. We would say God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But there was a sense in Israel's scriptures that the temple was sort of like the hot spot of God's presence. So yes, God is present, but almost, and, and words don't describe it well, because saying he's more present there doesn't make a lot of sense. But sort of this is, uh, the, again, the dwelling place or the footstool, and the idea being that footstool, being that this is where heaven and earth are touching, um, that there's, these two spaces are, are interconnecting here at the temple, and we can be in God's space, and God is in our space. Let's go to the dwelling place of God. He makes his home, in some sense, here in the temple. And of course, the temple is an echo of the tabernacle, from Israel's wanderings, and the tabernacle itself is an echo of the Garden of Eden. And very intentionally, the tabernacle is designed to evoke the memory of Eden. Uh, you have pomegranates and trees and leaves and life sort of sewn into a lot of the ornaments and a lot of the arrangement of things is meant to evoke. Here's God's presence, and we can return to Eden but it's difficult to return. We have to offer sacrifice. We are confronted with our sin and confronted with God's holiness. We can't just waltz into the Holy of Holies. Uh, there's a danger there. He's not a tame lion, we would say. And so there's this sense of, of wanting to come and worship God, but also uh, the, the realization that we are inadequate and unworthy to come. Until, you, of course, you get to Jesus, and Jesus actually calls himself the temple, doesn't he? Uh, so much so that those around him don't understand what he means when he says, uh, you know, destroy this temple and in three days we'll, it'll rise again, it'll build itself again. And Jesus is talking about himself as the temple. And he can do that because the point of the temple is not necessarily the big box building made of bricks, but the presence of God. That's what makes the temple the temple. And so Jesus can call himself the temple because, of, of course, the fullness of God dwells therein. He's the temple presence of God. And what happens as Jesus goes bringing the presence of God, he's a cleansing people. He's casting out demons. He's bringing renewal and salvation to bear, uh, bringing hospitality, going and eating with people who have no right uh, encountering God's holiness. And yet the holiness of God is going out and making friends with them. 
And then now as the church, that theme continues where now filled with the Spirit of God, the church is called the temple of God. The Holy Spirit lives within us both individually but also communally so that as we go and make disciples and bring the gospel to bear in our workplaces and in our schools and whatnot, we are carrying the presence of God with us and bringing that, uh, the life and the shalom of God is meant to be lived out in our character. Uh, the blessing and, and goodness and patience of God is meant to sort of seep out of us as we bring that temple presence, uh, even to places where it's very difficult to get on with people, right? Whether that's work or maybe that's home, maybe that's church for you. Uh, we're called to, to live out uh, that, that patience and goodness of God with others. And then, of course, we look forward to the day in Revelation 21:22 where God says he'll make his dwelling place with us. And there's that, that cry that goes out, Behold, the dwelling of God is with people. And then John says, there's no temple in that place. Why? Why is there no temple? You don't need a temple anymore. Because the whole earth has become the temple of the living God. And God dwells with us at long last. And we live with him in that renewed creation. And so that theme of God's presence, God's dwelling place, uh, the temple runs through the whole length of Scripture. It's, a, it's sort of a brilliant theme to trace throughout the Bible, but it's showing God's mission, that the mission of his call to Israel is to have people recognize and encounter the presence of God again, even in a fallen and sinful world. And we see a, a, an emphasis from God that he wants to be in relationship with us. And so we are called to go to his dwelling place, to come to encounter his presence. And the pilgrims hear it here in Psalm 132. I think we need to also hear that call, folks, to be reminded that the source of life is in the presence of God. And we're called to encounter him, to worship him. We're called to live out uh, the salvation life that he invites us into as his people. He calls us not to be the same. And look what happens in verses 8 and 10. As we welcome God into this place, it, it actually starts to change other people. Look again at verses 8 to 10. So here the worshipers say, Arise, O Lord, go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Sort of the sense of, God, we want you to be there when we get there. We want to encounter you. And then what happens when we actually encounter God, look at verse 9 and 10. It starts to actually transform people. It says, let your priests be clothed with righteousness. Well, that's a call for, for any of us who are leading worship or teaching Scripture that we would be genuinely godly, upright people. And as much as we might fall short of that at times, that is, that is the ideal that we're to strive for uh, as leaders or as pastors, uh, to be faithful messengers. And then there's a call also, look at this, the second part of verse 9, let your saints shout for joy. Now, when you hear the term saints, you might not think of yourself, uh, but we're called to think of ourselves, that we are growing in being saints. We're growing in maturity in Jesus, in holiness to God. And there's a call that the saints shout for joy, that when we encounter God's presence, it elicits a sense of celebration of what God has done. Uh, in people's lives. And so we encounter the presence of God and we're reminded of God's covenant promises and we're called to delight in what he's done. 
to rest in who Jesus is and the power of his victory at the cross and the resurrection, to encounter that story again each week and to let it sink into our bones, we might say, uh, to be reminded of why we live, of the purpose of our lives is to live out this faith in the world, calling others into salvation and into life. Uh, reminded also that even when we encounter trouble and difficulty, we look ahead to this time where Christ will return and make all things new, that he'll come again. We're reminded, in short, of who God is and what he will do. I don't know about you, but I need reminders quite often. I'm not really good at remembering a lot. And I'm, I'm really aware of this because I'm juggling several calendars right now. It's just a mess. I've got stuff on my phone that doesn't show up on a computer. I've got stuff on a computer that doesn't show up on a phone. I've got a paper stuff written down. I, I just need to streamline it, but let me tell you, I'm not good at this. It's really difficult. And uh, I mean, I've been better. It's just lately, it's been a bit of a, bit of a mess. Uh, Brian uh, was working on calendar stuff for the fall. He said, now's the time to do it before the ministry year starts. And I just kind of went, oh yeah, you're right. That's gonna, that's gonna come right away. Should probably work on that also. Um, but I'm even like this at home. I need reminders to do things. And I've told Sarah, don't, if I leave something out and it needs to get picked up, don't pick it up for me. I, just, I leave that, I know it bothers you, but just leave it there because I need to see it so I'll remember to look after this thing. Uh, just the other day, I left a mug sitting outside and Sarah, I found it in the sink days later. Sarah said, I was leaving it out there to see how long you were going to, see how long you were just going to leave that out there. Uh, so the reminder did not work. Uh, I'm learning. We have a big whiteboard in our dining room with all sorts of reminders on it of things we need to do. And in some ways, that's what Sunday morning is, friends. It's a, it's a big whiteboard. We come to be reminded of the essential truths of who God is. And that's why the, the content of what we sing on Sunday really matters. We need uh, theologically rich songs that remind us of God's character, um, not just our feelings about who God is, but remind us of who he is. And we need to hear the big story. We need to rehearse that story to realize it's, it's our story also that we're caught up in the salvation promise and purposes of God and in his movement in the world. I don't know about you, but many Sundays I need to be reminded that God actually does forgive my sin. And uh, I know when we come to the table, I, I, I make a point of this sometimes, not every time we celebrate communion, but sometimes we will make a point of sort of repenting together as a people because it's good for our hearts to be reminded of that. And we don't just stop there, though. Every time we do that repentance, we also hear God's forgiveness. And we almost need to rehearse that uh, because our own self-talk can be so negative and so down on ourselves that we need to hear that publicly as a people sometimes. We're reminded of all these things, not just so that we kind of think the right thoughts, but because God actually wants to renew and transform our hearts. And that's the second point that I want to get to here in Psalm 133, is that God's presence actually renews our lives. And look at, at the first verse here of Psalm 133. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Again, picking up this theme of God's renewing presence. And the first thing is a call to love, a call to uh, community together. Again, this is describing Israel's uh, calling when they actually live out their mission properly, that it should look like this, uh, that uh, 
they, they are to be true to that calling. Of course, often in the prophets, they're not uh, true to that calling. And often they are not dwelling in unity and all sorts of nonsense is happening and idolatry and injustice. <laughs> it's just kind of a mess. But this is describing the ideal when we, when we choose to remain faithful to God. And not only are we reminded of what he's done from Psalm 132, but we're actually transformed in Psalm 133 to live out a love and a unity together. Now, I'll be the first to admit, we don't always do this well. We don't always get this right. I don't always get this right. But this should be the aim of our hearts, shouldn't it? That we long to be in love and in unity together, and, and we try to, try to embody that and try to live that out. And the psalm describes that sense of unity with the metaphor of anointing oil. Look at verse 2. It says, it's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Now, when we uh, pray for people, we'll often uh, anoint them with oil. We, you've probably seen, we've got little bottles of oil. Actually, Doug McMillan makes that oil in-house. And uh, the oil... Uh, is, is always meant to symbolize the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we do it not because it's somehow magic, but as a tangible reflection of something that's happening spiritually, similar to baptism and communion. And, uh, but of course, we just do a little dab on the forehead. Uh, what's being described here is when they would anoint the priests, and particularly uh, Aaron, who is high priest in Israel's time, and it was a lot of oil. Um, of course, it also makes a point of saying he had a beard. And so if you want to be godly, uh, clearly, that is the call, men. We are called uh, to forsake that razor. Uh, in the name of the holiness of God, I'm totally kidding, of course. Uh, when, when I first was growing a beard, people would ask me why. I said, I just want to be like Jesus. Um, so, <laughs> I often stopped comments right there. But uh, anyway... That's totally beside the point. The point is it's so much it runs all over him, even sucking into his clothes, into the collar of his, of his robes. But why, why make a point of that? I think, I think because the, the priests are consecrated with the, with the oil, right? It's a symbol of God's presence and spirit upon them. And when we dwell in unity, when we seek to dwell in loving community together, it's like that holy oil running down. Uh, it's like God's consecrated presence upon us. And in the same way, look at verse 3, which also describes a sort of covering with liquid moment, right? It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Now, the dew of Hermon, uh, again, sort of dew in the morning, right, which sort of covers things. When I got in the car this morning, actually, the, there was sort of dew on the windshield. It was a reminder that falls, falls coming. Um, but it's a picture of also of sustenance, especially this would be critical in the dry season, uh, that there's good dew for Israel. And it's this picture of fruitfulness and blessing and abundance. And so again, when we dwell together in unity, when we allow God to renew our hearts and to uh, help us get over our issues and our hurts and, and the times we hurt one another, the times others have hurt us, when we seek to forgive and repent, and live this out, it is sustaining and life-giving and fruitful. And it's like being consecrated and set apart for God, for his holy mission. That's what the presence of God does to us, folks. It renews us. It sustains us. We're called to be holy. And we're invited then to, to, to welcome others into that 
holiness, to call them, to invite them into the love of God, to show that life to others. I was thinking just last weekend on Saturday. Was it last weekend, Brian, we did the barbecue? Last, just last weekend. So, so Pastor Brian was, led our, our community family outreach barbecue um, at Cooper Park. And I know some of you families gave him a hand. We want to thank you so much for coming alongside him. But Brian mentioned you thought maybe 150 people went through at that barbecue. Um, it may not seem like much, but 150 people potentially came through and saw the church trying to tangibly love them by giving them a meal. That's why we do that. It's not just to sort of do something social. It's to demonstrate the love of God. And uh, we had uh, one dear fellow who went through several times. And you might go, well, why? How could someone do that? Well, that might be the only meal he has that day. And I know there's others who, when there's moments to uh, have a meal like that, they'll take some and say, well, this is for the whole week. This is my food for the week. It may be a small thing, but it's the love of the church made tangible in something simple like a burger uh, and a smile. It's a call to live out the compassion and the kindness of God. And I want to thank you, Brian, and all of you who helped spearhead that. It's really good. Uh, part of our goal of cultivating hope in Dryden is to do that. And we do that by, by all sorts of ways, also by just living out our calling in the world to be people who seek to abide in God's peace and, and in his mission. And so if Psalm 132 is about being reminded of the story of God and dwelling in his presence, I think Psalm 133 is about being renewed by God and transformed by him. And then that brings us to the final Psalm of Ascent, which is Psalm 134. And this Psalm is all about being blessed by God. You that lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Uh, some people think this is probably the, uh, like an end of a worship service that this would be sort of sung over people. But it's a call to worship and it's a call to be blessed by God. And um, I'm doing a class right now where it's on biblical interpretation. We did a lot of work in Deuteronomy 6. And the call of Israel to love the Lord wholeheartedly uh, with their heart and their soul, their strength, uh, that we're called not just to an individual love of God, but we're called as a community to love God, to be faithful to him. And our faithfulness to God is worship to God. Our worship is not our 30 minutes of singing on Sunday morning, though that is part of worship. But worship is about all of your life lived for God. And in that sense, your work can be worship. And your washing dishes can be worship. And your trying to get along with your family can be worship. And the seemingly mundane things in life, as you seek to steward things well and care for what's uh, in front of you, care for your own body perhaps, care for your house, uh, doing your work, offering a good or service to another through your work can be a worship to God as you seek to do that faithfully for him. It's the call to live a holy life, a life of loving God and loving others. And that's a calling each of us has. And it's a calling that the Psalms of Ascent end on to bless the people of God as they gather for worship. And so that brings us to the end of the series uh, and these three psalms, again, a reminder of who God is, uh, a sense of renewal and transformation when we encounter Jesus, and then 
a sort of a resolve to worship God and to live for him in the power of the Spirit. And I wanted to end with sort of just two, two really simple questions about the implications of that for us. Um, I think the first thing to ask is, do you need to be reminded of who God is and what he's done? Has, that, uh, has the old, old story uh, become sort of faded and lost some of the, uh, the power and the resonance that it's meant to have? And if that's you this morning, I, I want to pray over you that you would uh, catch a fresh vision of who God is and what he's done and, and the goodness of his grace towards you. Maybe you don't feel you need to be reminded of who God is, but perhaps you feel you need to be renewed. You know well the story, but you feel that uh, you could use some renewal or revival in your heart uh, to let the presence of God transform you. And if that's true today, then I want to pray uh, over you that you would be healed and know God's forgiveness, uh, a renewal today, a sense of deliverance and hope. Or perhaps you need to reframe your life as a life of worship, to be, re to be uh, resolved perhaps, to remember that you are part of a holy people. People are aware of how you live differently because of Jesus. And perhaps you need to resolve to let that shine out uh, in the places where he's planted you, in your workplace or in your family uh, or at home or at school, as school comes up very soon. That we're called to live God's uh, life and kindness and goodness to those around us. And I pray that that aim of being reminded of who God is, of being renewed by God, of resolving to follow God, that that would uh, resonate with us as pilgrims uh, who are on our way to a deeper life with Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray over us. And if, if this morning you also feel you would like some specific prayer, maybe there's something going on in your life that you, you want uh, prayer support for, uh, we'd love to surround you and pray over you and uh, uphold you today. Uh, but all of us, are in a place where we can be reminded afresh of who God is and what he's done. To let that sink in our bones so we can live it out well. So let's pray to that end this morning before we go. Lord, we are uh, just grateful this morning for your covenant faithfulness towards us. That while we were sinners, you died for us, Jesus. That when we were unfaithful, that when we were far from you, you chose to give yourself in love for us. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of that promise, of that truth, that you gave your life as a ransom for many. Lord, that there's real forgiveness at the cross, that we can lay down our burdens and our troubles, that we can lay down our sin, that we're no longer captive to death, but you made us a new creation. And Lord, because of that, I pray that you would renew us today as your people. Lord, I pray by your spirit you would come even now and unite us in a deeper sense of your unity and of your love. Lord, I pray that you would help us to forgive one another, that you would help us to reconcile with one another. I pray, Jesus, that uh, there would be a love and a patience and a grace that would flow among us because of you, because you're here and your presence transforms our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would resolve to let 
the difference you've made in our lives extend out to others, that it wouldn't be something we sort of keep to ourselves. Lord, that that, that goodness and life that you've given us would spill over in our relationships with others, uh, in our interactions with people around town. Lord, that we would be faithful witnesses uh, of who you are and what you've done, both in word and in deed. And Lord, I just pray this morning that you would uh, guide us in, in our efforts to live for you, to be on mission and outreach, to also disciple well, especially as we look to the fall and school will be starting, and Sunday school and youth, small groups, about the food drive, this youth retreat. Lord, all sorts of things that are coming up that are good. It's easy for us to get busy, Lord, with many things. So help us to remain at your feet and abide in that place even as we seek to honor and worship you in these ways. Jesus, we pray for salvation to come uh, to our city, that as we reach out, you would do a work in people's hearts. That Holy Spirit, you would draw people to yourself. Um, we think of, of this food drive. We pray blessing over our food bank. Uh, Teen Challenge, Lord, the other ministries here in town that we support and our global workers, Lord, that you would be with them and bless them as they minister. Jesus, we think also of this youth retreat specifically, and we pray as uh, youth would come, that, Lord, they would encounter your presence and that it would change their lives. Lord, we pray that on that weekend there would be a sense of you uh, planting seeds, Lord, that will bear fruit uh, down the road as they grow into adulthood, uh, things you have placed on their hearts, Lord. Uh, we pray that there would be salvation and renewal and deliverance that would flow from this place as, uh, as we would gather in October. Lord, we pray your hand of protection over our, our children, and our teenagers, Lord, as they head back to school, uh, for those that are heading off to college and university in the fall. Lord, that you would have your hand upon each one and bless them. May they be reminded, Lord, of the good story that they are part of and of the power of your renewing presence in their lives. Jesus, in all these ways, we say thank you. We thank you that you have blessed us and chosen us and keep us uh, despite our uh, unworthiness and our failings, that you still love us and you forgive us. And with the words you taught us, Lord, we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.